Good morning, everybody. How are you? It is good to see you. Man, it is good to be in the Lord's house today. Amen? I'm glad that you are here. Uh, For those of you in the room, those of you online, thank you so much for uh, joining us as well. We are continuing a series that we began just a couple of weeks ago, actually last week, and um, that series is about truly free. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 36, he says that those whom the Son sets free is truly free. Free. So what does that mean to be truly free? So if you've got your Bibles today, I'd like for you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 17. While you're turning, let me just tell you a couple of things about this week. Uh, July is a little bit of a different schedule for us, so there is no first Wednesday service this week, okay? So no first Wednesday, but there is our prayer. Our Saturday morning prayer is this coming Saturday at 8 a.m., and I would love to see you here for Saturday morning prayer. There's just something that happens when God's people get together and pray, amen? What the results that you see of the Spirit of the Lord being in this room right now and in our other service this morning is the result of people actively praying. So I'd love for you to join us this Saturday um, as we pray. Um, but, so I hope you have the place there in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, you can look on the screen in just a moment for something I'm going to read to you in uh, the book of John. But what I want to do is just open us up with prayer and ask the Lord, whose spirit is alive and active in this place, to really speak to our hearts right now. Can we do that? Father, I thank you right now for the way you have been in this place through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we have the precious ability to enter into your presence, but also let your presence enter into us so that you might change us. I pray you anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth, anoint our ears to hear them, our hearts to receive them. Holy Spirit, speak to us corporately, but also speak to us individually so that corporately we might be changed, but also individually you might do the things in us that need to be done. Now, Father, I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name for all you're going to do and give you praise in advance for it. Amen and amen. There is an interesting account. It's a story, but it's a, it's a, it's a true account that happens in the life of Jesus, where Jesus works a miracle in the life of someone. It is probably the strongest miracle that he does prior to his own resurrection. And that's in John chapter 11, where he raises Lazarus from the dead. And as he raises Lazarus from the dead, he begins to speak and it, um, uh, speak to Lazarus, but also speaks to the people around him. His prayer to the Father is praying that God will hear him. But then he says, but I'm not praying this so that you might hear me. I'm praying so that everyone else will hear this prayer and know that you hear me, know the authority that you have. See, every time Jesus worked a physical miracle, it, spo- it pointed to a spiritual truth. Every time. Yes, there's a physical miracle when he raises Lazarus from the dead, but there is a spiritual truth that he has the power over death, hell, and the grave. But there's also a greater spiritual truth that Jesus has the power to take our spiritually dead lives and bring us out to spiritual life, fresh and new. And when he raises Lazarus from the dead, that moment that it happens, there's an interesting portion that says in verses 43 and 44, it'll be on the screen there. It says, then Jesus shouted out, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told him, unwrap him, let him go. One of the translations will say, loose him, let him go. Another will say, unwrap him, take the grave clothes off of him. It is this picture of the spiritual authority that Jesus has in our life, but also the things that he wants to do in our life, which is to unwrap us from the things that used to bind us and to loose us into the life that he's called us to live. As a matter of fact, in the portion of scripture we're gonna read today, the apostle Paul, it's a common theme that he uses, this same word picture where Paul says that we are to literally take off our old nature and put on our new nature. The the word picture is an idea of having clothes wrapped around you, that you were to take off the clothes of your old nature, put on the clothes of your new, new nature, literally disrobe from your past and put on the future that God has for you. So in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 17, he says it like this. Paul says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. 
They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've learned about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, remember last week, John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, you will know the what? Truth, and the truth will do what? So he says, you've learned the truth. That's the same truth that sets you free. Throw off your old sinful nature and the former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Two different passages, same picture of unwrapping, unrobing, disrobing of the old way and doing something about putting on the new way of this. Now, that's a great word picture. But when you're in a word picture, the thought really hits you. That's great. I love the picture. I love the, the idea of that. But how do I actually do that? Spiritually speaking, how do I take off the grave clothes that used to bind me? How do I put on the new nature that God has for me? So I want to give you three different ways that Paul talks about. The first way is this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says the first way that you put off and take off your old nature and put on the new nature is you need right thinking. Right thinking. You need to have the right thoughts in your mind. Everything starts in the mind. And Paul says we need right thinking if we're going to be able to take off that old nature, put on the new nature. Once again, verses 18 and 19, here's what he says. Their mind's full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they've closed their what? They've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame and they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That is, that is juxtaposed or compared to verse 23 where he says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. So the idea is the way we used to live is where we've closed our minds to the thoughts of God and opened our minds to the ways of the world. Now, this is a common theme that Paul talks about in his letters. And the reason why it's a common theme, it's a common theme among people. Paul, who writes so many letters and writes so much theology, actually never wrote a book or a letter that he, laid, that he started out trying to say, I think I'll teach them about some theology here. It was always in response to a question or a situation that's occurring in one of the churches. So, the people would write with a question, we're not sure about what to do about this. What should we do? Paul would write back. And then in writing back and explaining to them, obviously theology begins to unfold that we realize is our theology that we apply to our lives. Or he hears about some things that are taking place that are not right in a church, and he writes to them in order to correct their behavior with right theology. So everything that he writes is in response to a question or a situation. So what he writes in Ephesians is common also in what he writes in Colossians. Do you know why? Because this this idea about right thinking is common among people. That if you don't get right thinking, if you don't get the thoughts of God in your mind and you have the thoughts of the world in your mind, you're going to constantly struggle with the old nature, with taking it off and putting on the new nature. This is what he writes in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor and at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. This is, the, this is something you really have to get a hold of this morning. We have to make deliberate conscious decision to think right thoughts and seek the things that are above. They don't just happen. You have to intentionally set your mind to think about the ways of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You have to think about righteousness. You have to think about righteous thoughts. Paul writes in Philippians that he said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. You have to choose to think upon the things of God. The reason is, if you don't choose to think on the things of God, you'll dwell on the things of earth. 
And though you have to dwell on the earth right now, you don't have to dwell on the things of the earth. Why is that important? Because the things of earth will always keep us from the things of heaven that God has planned for us. So here's my question for you. What do you find yourself thinking about most of the time? What are the things that get most of your attention? Are they the things of God, the things of heaven? Are they the things of earth? Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you say, well, you know, I think I got some things of earth on my mind right now. Now I'm feeling pretty bad about myself. What am I going to do about that? Can I tell you the good news this morning? The good news is Paul tells us that you don't have to live that way. You actually get to choose. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says that you have not only the power and the authority, but the choice to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That is so different because if you are fixated on the things of this world, what happens is you become captivated by them. But if you take every thought captive, you can make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Now listen, you can't control every thought that comes into your mind, but you can control the thoughts that go into your heart. You can't control all the weird thoughts. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are going to be some weird thoughts you're going to have in this life. You can, you can be sitting in a church service like this and you can be singing songs of praise and like Pastor Brett was talking about with the scripture, you can be looking forward to singing around the throne and all of a sudden listening to a message and all of a sudden just the worst thought come into your mind, just pop into your mind. You go, oh my God, I'm not even saved right now. <laughs> you, you can't control the things that will bombard your mind, but you can control what is getting into your heart and you can take those thoughts captive and make them subject to Jesus Christ. You can make those thoughts literally bow before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How do you do that? By relegating those things out and pulling the things of heaven inside. The things of God inside. Here's the reason why it's so important. Because the things of heaven are satisfying. The things of earth will leave us empty. The things of heaven are eternal, but the things of earth are temporary. The things of heaven are sure, but the things of earth are uncertain. The things of heaven are, fill us with peace, but the things of earth fill us with anxiety. The things of heaven bring life. The things of earth bring death. The things of heaven bring freedom, and the things of earth will enslave us. It's so important that you fix your minds on the things of God so that your mind can be free from the things of earth. Listen to me. If the first step you have to take before you can ever be free, you've been declared free by Jesus Christ. But you have to have the grave clothes taken off of you, and it starts in your mind. And when you'll allow it to get into your mind, then God can begin the transformation in your heart. This is why it's so important. I know I sound like a broken record. Forgive me. This is why it's so important every single day. Read God's word. Think on God's promises. Listen to God. Pray to God and talk to God. Declare the promises of God over your life that is he has already declared. Agree with the things God has said about you so that you can have a mind that is fixated on the things above. It starts with right thinking. If you're going to take off the old nature and put on the new nature... It starts in your mind. The second thing he says, though, is that it's not only right thinking, it's right relationships. Right relationships. Here's what he says again in verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. If you've got a pen and you don't think it's sacrilegious to write in your Bible, I want you to circle that. Live no longer as the Gentiles. Yes, there are Jewish believers in the Ephesian church, but mostly there are Gentile believers in the Ephesian church. And as he says Gentiles, what he's not trying to say is non-Jews. What he's trying to say is people of the world because these are Gentiles that he's talking to. And what he says is, he doesn't say don't live like the Gentiles. Live no longer 
You used to be that way. You used to live like that. No longer shall you live as people of the world, though you used to live that way. You are to live differently. Being a Christian in an unchristian world isn't easy. Amen? But being Christian in an unchristian world also isn't new. It's not just happening right now. It's been happening for a long time. As a matter of fact, Paul writes again to the church at Corinth about a situation there. And he writes to them about the relationships that they are maintaining that are causing them harm. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. He says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my son and daughter, says the Lord Almighty. Some translations start off verse 14 like this, where in the translation, in the New Living Translation I read to you says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Some versions will say, and do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, most of you, if you've heard that passage, probably have heard that passage in a context of a romantic relationship, of people that are dating, possibly getting married, all of those things. That's, that tends to be the only time we ever use that passage, and that passage is true. Every young person in the room, listen to me. You are not going to be able to rehabilitate them after you marry them, okay? <laughs> Don't become unequally yoked. But that teaching, principle, promise, challenge, and exhortation is not limited to just a romantic relationship and marriage. It's about all of your relationships. Don't become unequally yoked. Here's what it's it's looking back at an Old Testament commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10. And here's what the Old Testament commandment said Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked or harnessed together. Now, for some of you go, that helped me not one bit. (laughs) So here's what it's it's not about. We're not trying to determine whether you're sitting next to an ox or a donkey, okay? (laughs) That's not it. An ox and a donkey have two different natures. You can't hook them up in the same plow and expect them to accomplish much. They don't work together because they're of two different natures. An ox is one that is hardworking. It's cooperative. A donkey is feisty and stubborn. They're not going to accomplish those things. Listen, so if you are unequally yoked, what's happening is when you're supposed to be going in this direction, that other person is pulling you in this direction. So what's the difference between being a friend of sinners, which Jesus was, and being unequally yoked? What's the difference with reaching people who are lost in this world and showing them the light of Jesus in their life? What's the difference between establishing a friendship with them so that you might bring them to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and teaming up with them or partnering with them in an unequally yoked fashion? The difference is when they start pulling you back to your old nature, it's time to sever the relationship. You drape yourself in the new nature and the new nature robed in Jesus Christ begins to attract them and it calls them and it draws them to the life that God is doing something, the way he's doing something in you and the life that he's accomplishing in you right now. But if it's the other way around and you are in business or friendship and it's drawing you away, you're not equally, you're unequally, you're giving them greater influence in your life than you're giving Jesus over your life. That's why scripture says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. 
And you get to choose who you hang out with. You're not forced to hang out with those people that are drawing you away from Christ. Now, why is that important? Because those relationships will determine the course and the direction of your life. But the beautiful picture is, if you are with someone in the right relationship, friendship, romantic, whatever that relationship is, and you are of the same nature, equally yoked, you're going to accomplish more together than you ever could apart. It's the picture of the church. It's the picture of community. So Paul says that we have to have right thinking and right relationships in order to take off the old nature and put on the new nature. But then there's one final thing he says. He says, in addition to those two things, there has to be right actions on your part. Right action, which, which in and of itself means you actually have to act. It's not sitting down and just waiting for God to transform you. It's taking the steps that you know to take to move in the direction that he's called you to do. Up until now, we're talking about word pictures. Up until now, we're talking about these partnerships. And some of you might be thinking right now, yeah, I get all of that. I get, I get the picture. I, I want to take off the old nature. I want to put on the new nature. But can you give me some practical steps here? Well, Paul gives us some practical steps. And here's what he says in verse 21. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So he says, here's how you do that. You're gonna do two things. You're gonna take off the clothes of bondage and you're gonna put on the clothes of freedom. How do you take off the clothes of bondage? Verse 25, practical ways. He says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. I mean, you want practical, he's going, look, these are the things that used to be of your past. Stop doing them. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. Then give generously to others who are in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Day of redemption. And get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. He says, if you want to take off the old clothes of bondage, the old grave clothes, these are these things. Stop doing the things you used to do. You can't wear grave clothes and expect to walk in freedom. And for some of us this morning, the challenge to you is stop trying to walk the line between the world and Christ. Stop trying to navigate whether or not how you act is based upon the company that you're in. Can I just, can I tell you a truth you don't want to hear this morning, but you need to hear? Especially on Independence Day. You know, we want to be a self-made man and a self-made woman, independent, right? There's no such thing spiritually as independence. None. You are either a slave to this world where the devil is your master, or you are a slave and a bondservant of Jesus, and he's your Lord and master. There is no middle ground. And you have to draw a line in the sand and say, I will serve Jesus. Because no person can serve two masters. Take off the clothes of bondage. And then put on the clothes 
of life and freedom. Here's what he says in verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. And he goes on in verse 15 and says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. And fools is not ignorance and stupidity. There's a moral connotation to fool. It means I know the right way, but I choose to do the wrong thing. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God our Father, God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see what he's saying? You robe yourself with the things of God. You begin to be kind to one another. You love people. You treat them the way they ought to be treated. And in spite of living in this world filled with it, this, all the worldly contamination, you don't allow that to get on you. You allow yourself to be robed in the things of God. And it transforms not only the outside, the things that things see, the people see of you, but it transforms the inside of you. It allows you to sing psalms and praise and joy to the Lord and have thanksgiving in your heart because of all that God has done for you. Do you know what the most beautiful instrument this morning was? Your voice. And a light just came on to show you that. I have no idea what just happened. Your voice. It was the greatest thing. You sounded beautiful. We sounded beautiful. And can you imagine what it sounded like to the father as his children sang to him? You've been declared free and you've been given the power to be set free. But I want you to notice there is an interlinking that takes place of both the community of God, the people of God, and your personal responsibility to take on the nature of Christ with the freedom that he's given us. When Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, he is bound with grave clothes from head to toe. It says his body is bound and there is something laid over his head, his mind as well. But when he is bound, he literally waddles out of that tomb with the clothes of death. And he doesn't speak to Lazarus at first. He speaks to everyone else. He says, go unwrap him and take those grave clothes off of him. This is the picture of what the church does. When people make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and they accept what has been declared over them by Jesus, that you can be free, truly free, they're still bound at that moment in time. 
But the people of God, the community of God, the church come alongside and they begin to speak truth over their life. They begin to speak the word of God over their life. Listen, there are some people who have heard about the Bible, but they've never read the Bible. There are people that may have grown up in church, but they've never picked the Bible up in their lives. I've met some folks recently that literally they've come to know Jesus Christ recently. They didn't even know there were two sections of the Bible. They don't know anything about it. This is the job of the church to come alongside them and take off the veil of death off of their head and fill their minds with the thoughts of Christ through Bible study, through encouragement, through repeating and prayers, through repeating the promises over their lives. And they begin to unwrap the things that bind them. But there does come a time and a place when you're un- being unwrapped, when your hands are free, that you have to start unwrapping yourself. You have to willingly take off the things that used to hold you hostage in the grave of your past. And when you take off the grave clothes, you still have to clothe yourself. Because to stand there with no clothing at all, Adam and Eve found out, is simply shameful. And they had to be clothed with the garments God made them. You have to put those on. No one's going to dress you. You have to allow the promises of God to be real in your life. You have to believe the word of God over your life. And you have to apply the word of God in your life. Throw off the old nature that you used to live with and put on the new nature given by the spirit so that you can be truly free. You've been declared free by Jesus. You've been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit and your life ought to reflect that freedom. Because whom the Son sets free is truly free. My prayer for you today is that through the promises of the word and through the actions that you take and the thoughts that you live and the thoughts that you believe and the people that you live around, that you will walk out of this place with freedom today. Truly free. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? For some of you, the first thing you've got to throw off is the way of your past. But the reality is, it's not really your past. It's your present. You know when you came in this place that things weren't right between you and the Lord. But God is beckoning you, calling you, convicting you, convincing you right now of your need for him. And you need to just simply pray something like this and mean it from your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for the price that you paid. I thank you that you died for my sins. I thank you that you rose to new life. I thank you that you've given me the power of the Holy Spirit that I don't have to live that way anymore. So I accept the price that you paid by asking you, forgive me of my sins. But Lord, I know there's a choice that I have to make. You're either Lord of my life or you're not Lord of my life. I'm either a slave to this world and to the enemy of our souls, the devil, or I'm a slave to you, and I choose to serve you instead. Lead me as only you can through your word and through your spirit, and I will never be the same. Now, if everyone in the room would just pray this prayer of profession, say, Jesus, I give you my life. Now, listen carefully. I want you to pray this as well. Jesus, I surrender my life. life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you know when you came in here this morning, things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you're making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. You say, no more. I'm not playing games with God anymore. While no one's looking around, if that's you, would you be bold enough to let me pray for you this week and just raise your hand really high? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, man, you're not alone. Amen. Best decision you're ever going to make. Leave them up just a moment, please. Thank you so much. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Yes. 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 
All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you. Lives have been changed. Hope has been found. And your name is now placed over their lives. Your spirit is now placed within their lives so that they can be truly, truly transformed. God, I thank you for that. I pray that every bit of weight of shame that they felt when they walk in this room, I pray that it be lifted off of them and the joy of the Lord would be their strength as they leave this place. Father, in these next few moments, as we prepare our hearts to receive Holy Communion, Lord, I pray that as you welcome those that have made a decision, that they would feast at your table today as we remember the body and the blood that was broken and spilled for us. In your wonderful name, amen and amen. Hopefully you received some elements when you came in. If you go ahead and take those elements, please. If you did not receive elements, would you please raise your hand really high and some of our um, worship center hosts will get those to you. Just keep them up really high. We wanna make sure everybody has that. There is a seal that is a clear seal on top that if you'll pull that back, that will um, unseal the wafer. And then there's another seal underneath that that will unseal the juice. Um, and if you would, please go ahead and um, prepare the elements to take. We'll take them all together in a few moments. Listen, and also, if you see someone near you, it's a great time to serve. If you see someone near you and they're struggling with theirs, reach over and help them uh, get their elements prepared. But if you'll hold the elements till we all uh, come back in just a moment, um, Pastor Savannah and, and, uh, is gonna lead us in a song that's gonna also prepare our hearts as you prepare the elements right now. Let's worship and believe and receive. Amen. If you want to stand as we prepare our hearts this morning, we just give you praise, Lord. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve Sing it straight to him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. He says, on the same night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and after he blessed it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Before you partake, would you just personalize that and say, his body was broken for me. Come on, say it again. His body was broken for me. Therefore, he said, take and eat in remembrance of me. Would you remember the body of Christ? And in the same manner, he took the cup and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Would you remember the blood of Christ? For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I know you probably have plans, but I really feel this morning that in, in the light of the Spirit being with us and us observing Holy Communion, Isaiah 53 tells us that by his stripes we're healed. Simon Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 24, he takes that and says that, that what has been accomplished is now yours to have. He says, by his stripes... You are now healed. And if you're here and you have brokenness in your mind and your emotions, maybe a broken relationship, a broken body with sickness, or maybe you feel just absolutely broken over a financial situation. The body of Christ is here to pray for one another. And so as we continue to worship, some of you just need to reach up in faith, as you sing and proclaim that and receive that, some of you know need someone to agree with you.
Our prayer team is gonna be around front here. And if you have one of those needs, I'm gonna encourage you over the next few moments. Let's be the body of Christ. Let's believe together. Let's worship together. And let's see what God is going to do. As our prayer team comes, if you have a need, please come down. We would love to be able to pray with you this morning. my cross you bore so I could live in the freedom you died for and now my life is yours and I will sing of your goodness forevermore worthy is your name Jesus is our story today. above all names. 
deserves the glory in this place. Come on, we sing. You are worthy of it all. All the glory. You are worthy of it all. And all the praise. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Come on, let's join the angels today. Sing you are worthy straight to him. And you are worthy of it all. Yes, you are. Lord, we thank you so much for what you are doing in this place right now. For some, what you did in these prayer time and altars, for some, what you're doing right where they are in worshiping you and declaring freedom in their lives. Lord, I pray for those that have been bound. I pray for those that have been bound by the shame of their past. I pray that in the name of Jesus, the freedom of their future would begin to guard their hearts and direct their eyes toward the things that you've called them to do. I pray for those that have been held in bondage by sin and addiction that let you have declared free that today they are walking out and taking off the grave clothes today. I pray that you set them free, O oh Lord, and as they take those steps that they walk in liberty and joy today. For those who have been bound by the thoughts of the enemy and the thoughts of this world that has limited them, Lord, I pray that the freedom of the word of Christ be made known in their hearts and their minds. I pray that as they take those things in and allow them to envelop them, Lord, that it changes their perspective as they lift their eyes unto you, O Lord, fixating their eyes on you and all of your promises. I pray for those, O God, that have been bound up 
O Lord, by the ways of this world and the, and the sheer exhaustion of trying to straddle the line between walking the ways of God and walking the ways of the world. I pray today that as they made a decision to abandon the things of the world and devote themselves to the things of God, I pray that you would drape them in the righteousness of Christ today so that their lives are changed completely and others may see it and know it and we may point them to you, O Lord. I thank you today that as we have joined our voices together celebrating who you are, Lord, that as Pastor Brett and the read from Revelation, that it is just something that we are preparing for, eternity, where we join all those around the throne and we forever celebrate the goodness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior today. We walk out of this place free and whole and complete today, and we declare that whom the Son sets free is truly free today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord praise in this place. Lift up your voice with a shout of praise to the Lord today. Amen. Come on, let the people of God praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says there is celebration in the presence of angels when someone gives their heart to Jesus Christ. I think we ought to join them today. 13 people gave their hearts to Jesus. Let's give the Lord praise in this place. Blessed be his holy name. Amen. 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 Listen, thank you for being here today. If you made a decision today or in the last few weeks and you want some information or someone just to talk to you about getting started in this walk with Christ, we would love to talk with you about that. Or maybe just want some more information about how to get plugged in here at North. Some of our members from our grow team will be right here at the front when the service is over with. Come down and talk with them. We'd love to give you some information and to celebrate with you the decisions that you've made. I hope you have a fantastic day. And listen, I want the privilege before you leave to just speak blessing over your life according to Deuteronomy chapter six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's declare this promise from Psalm 19 over our lives. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a fantastic day.